fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. We do that. We are called the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Hey, Dan. This is going to be a fun episode. It did make me wonder in preparing for this, as a certified genius, how dangerous would it be to increase the um, power of my brain? <laughs> or, or the power of everyone else's brain around you, therefore making everyone a certified genius and you just a regular person. That, to me, is a much scarier thought. Uh, we'll get to that in a second because we have to talk to another genius, our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from today? Well, today I'm, in the, I'm deep in the, the brain chemical labs, and I'm working hard on the uh, next version of NZT. That's, they, I think they have a lot of this stuff perfected, but I'd like to see what you come up with and how you can make this even better, streamlined, and maybe not even a pill. We're going to talk about that. You know, we deal with a lot of panel bios for you. Uh, you know, you're talking about working on inventions that are unlocking the power of the mind. You seem more like a gadget guy. We're going to talk about the world of pharma here, so I'm wondering how you're going to respond to that. It's very interesting, but what am I talking about here? We've got to get right into it. We're talking about NZT48, which is the chemical that Eddie Mora takes on the movie Limitless. I really enjoyed this movie. I got to tell you guys, I wasn't expecting a lot, and then I watched it, and I was kind of blown away. They do a lot of really fun stuff, and even though it's kind of a false premise, which I'm going to cover in a second, I think they do a great job of really exp explaining what happens to the brain. I'm with you, Dan. I, I, when you were saying this, I was like, how are we going to get a whole episode? Then I watched the movie, and a lot happens in this movie. There's a lot of interesting clever ways. Um, and I'm going to save one of mine. I'm hoping it makes it all the way to the additions at the end. We'll see. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Ben, what did you think? You know, you, you are a brain guy. Both you have one and you also work on them. What did you think about this after, after viewing? Yeah, I think you're going to get into it a little bit with the fallacy that uh, they bring up. But the, the actual effects of the drug, I thought were, it was a fascinating movie. I was like, oh, what is this? Unlock, you know, your brain, blah, blah, blah. But the way they actually depict it is really interesting and a lot more plausible than what I thought it was going to be uh, coming in uh, to the movie before I saw it. I love that we all came in as, as skeptics and left as fans of the show. So I highly recommend if you haven't seen the movie, watch it. We're going to talk about some of the stuff here, but, but you really got to watch this movie to really appreciate it. But let's quickly talk about the fallacy here. So scientists who are listening to the show, obviously the premise of the, of the movie is you, we only use 20% of our brain and this particular chemical, NZT48, unlocks the full 100%. Now this is a widely circulated myth, probably started around 1890. There's lots of arguments about this, uh, but, but it's not true. We use 100% of our brain uh, most of the time. Our brain is rarely inactive, but throughout the course of a day, we will use 100% of it. Uh, there are some kind of interesting ways in which this came up. One of my favorite uh, 
kind of what, what they you know kind of like a source of this myth is that our brain makes up two percent of our body weight by volume but uses 20 percent of the energy that's an incredible amount of energy that our brain uses and i imagine if we kicked our brain into overdrive suddenly we would be we'd have to add a lot more usable energy to our diet uh, and in the reason against this if there was an evolutionary advantage to having more efficient brains and 80 percent of it wasn't used that would eventually be weeded out. Uh, so that's kind of the fallacy. Nonetheless, we are going to operate under the idea that we can really enhance our existing properties of the brain. But as far as the, the premise goes, that I, I do it justice, guys? That's absolutely correct. We use all of our brains, but that doesn't mean there aren't things we can approve about the way we use it. Okay, great. I would also like to point out, I, I really appreciated and prep for this, Ben reminding us that though it's claimed to be a premise of the movie, the only person who ever actually makes this claim in the movie is the drug dealer who's very questionable and doesn't make it very far into the movie. <laughs> so it wasn't a very strong premise of the That's movie. True. And I give Ben credit uh, you know, for recognizing that and pointing it out. But when he said that, I was like, ah, yes, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, it's just marketing. <laughs> no, I think that's great. Yeah, it's a way to get him to, to try the pill right off the bat. Uh, so one of the things I want to mention here really quickly, Gabrielle Ann Torre of a website that's called Knowing Neurons. I'm going to put a link on the website. She says that the immediate activation of the brain, if we activated 100% of our brain all at once, much like how radiation does not grant superpowers, the, suddenly activating your entire brain would not cause increased intelligence. It would create, it would result in a grand mal seizure. You basically <laughs> would not be able to control the electrical impulses going on. But let's just say that there's a nugget of truth to this. What if we could somehow access parts of our brain, use it more efficiently, effectively? One of the comments in, you know, once Eddie Mora, the main character, takes a pill, he says that all this information in his head is neatly organized organized and ready for immediate access. I think that's the paradigm we're going to labor under. And I think that that is, that is a great way to start with this because once he takes this, once the main character takes it, he kind of starts noticing everything, lights, noises, things really slow down for him. And I think that that is right on pace with what you hear about with incredibly intelligent people. Uh, you know, certified genius, Dr. Den, I'm going to let you speak to this. But when, when it comes to athletes and incredibly intelligent people, things just seem to come easier to them. And with athletes, things just seem to slow down. When you're, when you're running a half-court set in basketball and you kind of know where everyone's going to be in the next 10 seconds or 30 seconds, it's much easier to throw the ball where a person's going to be in 10 seconds and then have them show up. That is kind of one of the effects that happens with this, which I'm guessing is a byproduct of being able to do several other things much more efficiently at once. Uh, what do you What do you guys think about this? Then I'm going to go to you first. As our as so I, I, oh, I was sorry, saying, as, Dan, our, as I our resident there. as our resident certified genius, I was going to go to you first. You get first crack at it. I know. I think my brain was taking a little NZ there and got ahead of itself. <laughs> I saw where you were going, yeah. and, and I just and I just jumped in. I like couldn't right. control no, myself. That's all right. Um, and, and well, it's funny because part of this is I, I, I have to do one of those sort of, you know, references to another part of my life. I do occasionally you know, you show up as an expert in ancient aliens and unexplained phenomena. And one of the things I, I did for those the producers is talk a lot about people with highly enhanced senses. And, and one of the things you realize, right, is 
your senses are your brain has to filter all the stuff coming in or it's just overwhelming it's too much stuff whether it gets filtered at at the actual detection level or whether it gets filtered at the next level of the brain or the next level of the brain there's lots of different levels of these filters so i love the idea of the drug basically reducing that filtering and like you said you get way more information um, and I loved the filming effects in this. I felt like the cinematography, which I never notice or pay attention to, um, actually worked for me in this film to give that effect. And my final comment on this, my daughter repeatedly points out that as a better gamer than me, she notices more of the world than I do. Because if you're going to survive in video games, you have to notice everything that's happening on the screen. Um, my video game playing is like, oh, there is a bush over there on the right. Maybe I should go there. And the guy on the left I didn't see shoots and kills me. So, <laughs> so yeah, you're yeah. exactly right, Dad. This ability like, to notice way more um, is probably is certainly what the elite performers in a whole range of areas do. Um, and so we all have different levels of that. And the drug is just bringing... Um, him up to a, the highest possible level in this mm -hmm. in in this space. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the keys here is math, pattern recognition, things like that. Being able to, without thinking about it, unconsciously, automatically doing these calculations in an instant frees up the 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 bandwidth in your head to do the new stuff. I'm going to talk about that process later on, which I think is really interesting. Uh, but Ben, what did you think about that? You know, as our current calculations guy, oh, how does that how does that hold up? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So what Dan's talking about with the filtering is very true. It, our brains in their kind of normal state just aren't able to process all the information you get. You, you hear this a lot with like, um, when people lose one of their senses and their other senses become a lot stronger to compensate, that information must already be in your brain. It's just that your brain is ignoring it because it's getting what it thinks is a better signal from your other senses. So like when people go blind, they all of a sudden can smell better, they can hear better. Um, I can hear just as well as those blind people, but my brain's like, ah, who cares about that hearing crap? I can see. And so our brains, in a way, are our own enemies in that sense. And this NZT, I think, is part of what it's doing is enabling us to let our brain process everything it's getting, not just the things it thinks are most important. Well, from, from what I understand, the way the brain processes information is the, the reason why some people with disabilities or who have lost an entire sense it's a, it's a bandwidth thing. I believe we have a primary sense. Like right now, I am, I am looking ahead and visually that is my, my main sense here. Hearing is secondary because I'm not listening, but I'm listening to you guys when you talk, but I don't listen when I'm, when I'm talking. Uh, obviously, by the way I talk, you can tell I'm barely listening to what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there is, there is a primary process that's going on in your brain is doing, and that's the priority. And then there's a secondary one you can do pretty well. Once you get to three and four, some of it becomes clutter. So if you're blind, the visual pro the visual input is gone. You don't have to worry about that. You're not dedicating brain space to processing that information that's coming in. You're just listening to hearing, and that becomes the primary source. Human beings are visual creatures, and so that makes a lot of sense to me. And and what I like about in what I like about the movie, one of my favorite aspects of this movie 
is where Eddie, when he first takes it, he goes up and he meets uh, his landlord's wife, and she's yelling at him or whatever. And, uh, you know, Denon, you mentioned this is the first time we see all those really cool effects. There's a, suddenly a wide-angle lens, and I, he can see everything in, you can see the stairway going down to the front of the apartment, he can see the woman, he can see his door, he can see everything. There's a brand new color filter. It's he, The world is opening up to him. We have two different categories of memories in your head. You have the declarative memories, which kind of keep track of facts, and you've got episodic memories for life events. So you can know you can know a fact, and you can know when you learned the fact, and those are two separate areas of the brain. And if we, I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's true that we remember everything we've ever encountered. We can talk about that, but let's say that you could. It would be amazing if you could suddenly and efficiently access every memory you've ever had ever and you know when he's talking to this to the landlady he's doing that he's accessing every memory he's ever had he looks in her purse and he sees a book he remembers from a girlfriend he had in college he went to a museum and pulled pieces of information that he picked up at a museum exhibit a documentary that he listened to and he's able to put these all together and he is and he essentially writes her legal paper for her by the end of it and gives her lots of advice this i think if it's possible, I think this is a huge advantage, not only for the average person, but if you want to be a con artist, what better way to con your way through is by making it up but having access to all of this stuff. And being able to see everything around you allows you to take in more information that you're categorizing for use later on. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, it made me think of Sherlock Holmes. So Sherlock Holmes does this without drugs all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> so we think. there's yeah. that interesting fact there. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, that's not completely true. Sherlock Holmes is on a lot of drugs, just not yeah. NZ. Right. Yeah, and he is fictional. Uh, he is fictional. Yeah. And he is fictional. Yeah. But he was based on a concept, right, this concept that if you notice the world in more detail and connected it to a super memory, you could make a lot of these deductions. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned, Dan, the difference between remembering a fact and remembering when you learned it. Um, because just from personal experience, it's always interesting to me. I've had this weird ability occasionally in my academic career when I was a student. Like I could remember where in my notebook like the fact was that I needed for the test and not the fact. And it was super annoying because it was a closed book test. Uh, like right. yeah. I, I literally could picture, okay, it's on this page over here. So it is, you know, the brain and the way we functionally store our memories is really interesting. And it is, I think, a matter still of some debate how much memory really is there and just not accessed. And what does it mean to be there and not accessed? Um, and I think it's a similar connection to we know at the end of life with dementia and Alzheimer's, it's a very sad situation where we are losing our memories that we know we had. And, you know, if you were ever able to figure out or, or actually cure it after it happened, would it just mean that you could start making new memories and save those? Or would you actually recover those memories that you weren't accessing? Is it a blocking or a loss? So the whole role of what memory is in there um, is, I think, at the core of how well this drug really works. Because as you said, it's access to those memories that really make him um, who he is to a large extent in the show. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, and I think what's really cool about that is this connection to organization. 
You know, there's the, everyone's heard of the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And the first thing he does when he takes this pill after getting out of the, you know, the, the trick with his with his landlord's wife is he starts cleaning up his apartment and everything in his, his place is organized. Everything in his head is organized. And I think that that level of efficiency is really kind of what sets him apart. And I think what that that trait, that ability I think is what we need to replicate if we're, you know, we're kind of going old school with this episode. We're going to tell you how to make NZT. Um, so, th- th- and I think in the path to doing that, we have to figure out what our goals are. And I think that is really goal number one. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think, I think by far the memory is the most valuable one. Like if I could remember, if I could still remember all the equations from college physics, that would be great. I mean, I, I, and the reason I don't use them don't remember them anymore is because I don't use them anymore. Like our brain is good at basically disconnecting the memories that we don't need anymore. Um, you know, in back in college, I could recite the entire set of, you know, Maxwell's equations and all of Newton's equations and explain how they work and all that. And now I don't remember any of them <laughs> anymore. Yeah. But, but what's important is, I mean, now I know how to look them up and understand them, but the memory, the memory itself is gone because it's not, it's not important to us. Our, it, it all comes back to that. What does our brain think is important to us? And that importance comes from what do we access regularly? One way to remember memories is to constantly replay them in your head. Now you're probably modifying them as you, <laughs> through each of those replays, but it helps you hold on to things that um, you otherwise would forget. Yeah, I, I think that that's really true. And that plays into the next thing I want to talk about, which is he kind of gains some some abilities when he takes this pill. One of them is he's able to play the piano. He's able to basically yeah. pick it up in three days. Now, I have to take a little issue with this. And I think my issue with this is going to explain uh, kind of a little bit how memories work and how they interact with your muscles. So hand-eye coordination is really important. And that could be possible if NZT creates temporary neural connections. So when you're playing the piano, you're, basically skill memories can be learned automatically and unconsciously. We talked about in the Neuralizer episode about this famous case about a patient named, named HM who had incredible seizures. He had part of his hippocampus removed, and then he lost his short-term memory. He was basically like Leonard in Memento. He could only remember the last seven minutes of his life. But they were able to teach him how to draw with a mirror. So basically taking his left hand, looking at a mirror and drawing a star, he learned how to do that. And even though he didn't know when he learned how to do that, through practice, he learned how to do that and it could continue, which means that we have information that's in our head that we're consciously aware of and can do. But muscle memory itself has to be practiced with muscles while the the, the the memory itself is stored in our brain. It requires the muscles to actually go through the process themselves to build structural connections with the neurons. And so there's a point in the movie where he's he had watched a, a you know a Bruce Lee movie before and he gets into a fight and all of a sudden he's doing lots of kung fu. That is that is a that is I think outside the scope of what NZT could do when this ex, when we make this exist because you have to actually do the thing create the actual neural connections uh that that's i think that that's really important here so dan i i would say yes on the on the martial arts a bit because his muscles have never done it um my quick comment on the piano learning would simply be the following i feel like it's 
it it could go either way, 50-50. But what it kind of points to often is that drugs are kind of generically targeting. This is a drug that targets neurons. Um, there's neurons in your nervous system as well as in your brain. And so there could be smaller yet important effects on the neurons throughout your nervous system that the piano learning is a combination of your brain doing something and learning and the nerves in your muscles activating them in useful ways. So I can imagine, because he's doing that in real time, he does get a little bit of an enhancement from the drug. You're right. The martial art one is more than just remembering what those moves are. Your body also has to be able to execute them. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's this really interesting study to go along with that. And this will kind of clear up what, what I think. So there was, and I'm going to put a link on, on the website. But basically, there were a group of people were being taught how to juggle. They didn't know how to juggle before, and they were being taught how to juggle. And as anyone would imagine, that is an incredibly intensive hand-eye coordination. It requires muscle movements and the brain. They did MRI imaging over the course, and they revealed that there are new neuron neural connections, uh, visual and initiating movements. Visual is in one part of the brain, initiating movements in another. When you're learning a new skill, you activate several areas of your brain at different times. When you're first learning, it's the premotor cortex and the basal ganglia, which is motor movement and initiating motor movement. Once you get better at the skill, the, their involvement decreases and it switches to the motor cortex and the cerebellum, which is basically automatic movement and then being able to focus on it. And I think it's this, once we hit this area, once things become automatic, this is what I was talking about before. This is the bandwidth issue. It moves to different sections of the brain and the actual learning goes away. So maybe NZT is actually forming new neural connections to mention your the playing piano thing because you are actually doing the thing. Maybe it creates neural connections that in a very quickly accelerated, at a very accelerated rate. What do you think about that, Ben? I think that's exactly what it does. I think it's both, it accelerates connections and it, it maybe probably also has like better neural transmitter chemicals in it or something like that. So that you can both improve your connections, but also improve, make those connections more efficient so that you're potentially maybe using less, uh, uh, m metabolic energy for each of these connections. That way, you know, if you are running, uh, you know, if you're running more things at once in your brain, you're not having to eat more <laughs> to make it happen. Like we mm. don't see him eating more, <laughs> which theoretically you would have to do if your brain was like, you know, overclocked, you know, you would need extra energy to do that. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I think true. about, though, the the biomechanical parts of it is I, I think to back to some sports research where um, pitchers would think about throwing a, a perfect pitch over and over and over again. And by thinking through that motion over time, they became better because they're teaching their brain uh, about what the mechanics are, even if they're not doing it at all. Um, and part of me is thinking that you know, by watching these martial arts movies, he's thinking through those motions and kind of teaching his motor neurons what to do, even though he's not actually doing the activity. Now, whether or not movies are the right thing to watch, I think is a different <laughs> debate. He probably should watch like <laughs> yeah. MMA or something, but that's a right. different issue. I, lo I love that you brought that up because what I was going to say is there's lots of documentation that visualization, especially when it comes to 
athletic endeavors, which whether it's pitching mechanics, things that require specific motor movements, visualization does actually help you achieve that movement faster. If you go to sleep thinking about it, if you think about it over and over, it does work. And I agree. I was going to say that maybe watching the, the Bruce Lee movie does kind of sub in for the visualization aspect. Uh, it's a little silly, but at least we can kind of make that work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I agree with you. Well, and his overclocked brain is, you know, he's able to put himself into that, that space where he's imagining himself doing those motions rather than, you know, the brilliant Bruce Lee. Right. right. And his, Bruce Lee's kind of, I mean, you know, he's, he's the, that'd be like watching Michael Jordan and then being able to play like Michael Jordan. It's, he's the best, you know, uh, which is a little, a, a little, I think, outside the scope of what you'd be able to do with visualization. Uh, but I do love that if you're going to look at anyone, you got to look at the, the best one. I'd wonder about, I, well, I'd, I'd say the strength issue is the bigger issue. Like he's not going to have the musculature to do mm. it. Because he's not, you know, he's not been working out his entire life to be a martial right. artist. Yeah. But he at least should have some idea of how to, uh, you know, how to fight <laughs> from all those things he's seen. Well, a lot of martial arts is, is technique. The, the key yes. is the technique and proper, perfect technique. Strength, uh, depending on the martial art, is, is not, I don't want to say irrelevant. Uh, but with my Michael, ja or Michael Jackson, with my Michael <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> Michael Jackson is a whole other thing. Uh, with my Michael Jordan uh, example, I think you're exactly right. That requires a lot of physical, uh, physical yeah. strength. And obviously, jumping ability is not just going to come by watching him do it over and over again. Right. Though I, though I will say, Dan, I would hope if I could visualize Michael Jordan, I could go from never having the ball go in the basket to having to go in the basket a lot more. Because the actual act of shooting is probably much more timing and getting the muscles in the right place than strength. Yeah. Um, shooting over and over and playing an entire basketball game, okay, that requires fitness and strength I don't have. But if I'm just standing at the court making shots, I think my visualization yeah. of Michael Jordan is the person I want to visualize, and it will help yeah. me. Free throws is what you're talking about. Free throws are, are good for that. Yeah. Unfortunately, we probably still won't be able to to dunk from the free throw free throw line. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... no, that <laughs> that definitely takes muscles. Yeah, no, that's something special. Uh, and and you know, I wish I wish Shaq had done a little more visualization with his free throws. He'd be, be who knows what his points would be now. He'd be top top uh, top five easily. Uh, so one of the last things I want to talk about, um, uh, as far as the abilities go, is one of the cool things that he's able to do. Eddie Mora in Limitless, what he's able to do is to casually listen to a another language and become fluent in it. This is a kind of an interesting thing I, I want to talk about because learning languages is, again, another part of your brain. And there's some research. I'm going to put an article up. Now, this is an article from Quora, but it's, but this woman, uh, Dr. Atufi, she's an applied linguistics professor at UCLA. And it's a, it's a great article about how this works. But basically, that there's evidence to support that there's a critical period of learning for language that's between birth and 13, basically when human beings need to learn how to communicate. And this is the easiest time to learn languages and become fluent in multiple languages. I thought this was really interesting. What do you think about this and being able to reactivate, kind of going back in time uh, to, to learn languages? Uh, ben, I'm going to go to you first on this one. You know, I think it's interesting. You know, it, it kind of reminds, it, it makes me think about things like in Star Trek where they have these universal translators that somehow are able to hear a language that, you know, should have no purchase whatsoever in like the Starfleet database and yet somehow it can translate it, not having any history. What I think is interesting about this idea in the limitless world is it's actually a little bit more plausible because 
while he's probably never heard Italian before, maybe he's heard, you know, Latin or mm-hmm. something else that's related. And his brain is able to kind of work out those common roots really quickly and figure out how the language works mm. only on that first listen. Yeah, I think that's really well. I, I think it, it might be a combination of being being receptive to languages early, maybe with this increased level of neuron neural production, they're able to kind of awaken these kind of parts of the brain, or to at least develop the neural connections. And with the efficient brain that we've talked about, how to do that, that makes a lot of sense. Hearing similar languages, learning the Romance languages, would be a lot easier than being, you know, learning English and then picking up Mandarin. Like that's a, a much different. There's a bigger disconnect. It would be fascinating if he like went to the Catalan region of Spain, where that language is doesn't share roots with anything else in Europe. Like, would he be able to speak Catalan? without having ever heard it before or or Chinese or Korean or all these languages that don't really share common roots. Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting thought. What do you think, Dan? Well, I do think it depends a little bit on whether it's as Ben was saying, the organization of the brain, or as you were saying, Dan, it's more just his speed of neural connections has been increased, so it's mimicking what a child does, but even at a higher rate. You know, I think of when my kids learned to speak and there is this there was this moment where it went from like one or two words and then suddenly like they're speaking like a person. Mm. Right. Maybe not like a full adult, but there's but it's English and it makes sense and you understand right. it. Um, now, that was maybe months to a year. Um, he compresses it even more. But it does come down to this question of. Is it, is it a neural speed thing or is it an organization connection or both? So maybe the, the romance languages, he can do super fast. And I believe like near the end, he's maybe speaking some Chinese or other more complex languages, but he's had a little more time. So maybe those did take him longer, but it was just his speed enhanced skills. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right. And as you know, as they take it, obviously we're, we're covering a lot of different grounds here. There are some interesting downsides here that, that I wanted to talk about very quickly. So one, he has kind of skips in time and memory. You know, one of the main themes of the movie is what happens when you stop taking NZT. You know, there's there's an addiction element. Um, you know, and I thought maybe Ben, I think this might be a question for you, but these skips in time and memory because he's taking a pill a day, he's got his you know brain kind of jacked up. Is this have something to do kind of with the way sleep is kind of necessary for you to clean out all the, you know, all the stuff in your brain? Um, you know, sleep just really kind of cleans out all the extra proteins and all the, you know, when all the synapses that are firing, it cleans out all the chemicals. Does maybe this happen at an accelerated rate and a lack of proper amount of sleep or rest can, can cause some of this? It, that could be. It, he also mentions that stopping drinking alcohol helped a lot, too. So it could also be this fight between the uh, neurosuppressive effects of alcohol mm. and the neuro-increasing effects of the NZT are, are a problem. I also like the idea of this, you know, you're giving all these neurotransmitters, you know, you're getting these extra neurotransmitter chemicals and things like that. And in, in some ways, I was thinking that's kind of like how the, it explains the withdrawal symptoms. Whereas, so like if you're on um, hormone replacement therapy, if for all the if all of a sudden you stop taking those things, like when people take steroids or other things in like their body or testosterone, and you're make your but the artificial source causes your body to stop making the natural source. And so part of what I'm thinking is if you stop taking this NCT stuff, your body kind of stops making critical brain chemicals. And that's why you start shutting down. And that's where that withdrawal comes from. 
I think you're exactly right. Just like with SSRIs. I mean, they're designed yeah. to stop serotonin from being absorbed and kind of throw it back into your brain, but then you stop producing serotonin and then you have to slowly downdose. I think that that's ex exactly right. What do you think, Danny? Yeah. Well, I do think on the loss of memory, I mean, it, it's a little bit how you interpret the film. Um, you know, he, he, it's presented as he's not remembering while it's happening, um, but you could imagine it's also partly a next day effect, right? That so much happened, so much happened with the brain. Um, next day, before he takes the pill, like you mentioned with sleep, a lot of the experiences aren't locked in. So there's a lot that he did that he doesn't remember. So in the moment, you know, it's maybe he wasn't necessarily having trouble tracking things. Um, that's one way I interpret it. The other way is, uh, you know, the brain still is going to have some level of filtering, right? And so you've enhanced everything, um, but you're making certain choices. And maybe the brain is just like, okay, we're just shutting down, you know, from 5th Avenue to 10th Avenue. We don't like it. It's a boring area. Or then we're going to pick up again. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting point. I mean, there's a lot of research that shows when you do the same, let's say the same drive every day, the first time you do it, you remember everything. It's like your brain takes a picture of every moment. You know, uh, on year four, when you've been taking the drive every single day, you can autopilot into work or wherever you're going because it, it's not interesting anymore. And your brain just kind of shut that out from a conscious st standpoint. I think that there's something to that. It, it probably isn't something I should mention on a thing being recorded, but it is scary. And I think we've all shared this experience where you suddenly don't remember the last minute of your drive. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been there, luckily. That's for sure. All right, so we had this. We've got a lot of different things. We got to we got to put this together. You know, this is this is what we do. We're gonna make this in real life. Uh, I'm gonna go, Ben. How would you make NZT48? Yeah, so I think I think it's a combination of a lot of things. You you need you need some sort of uh, chemical that helps with those neurotransmitters, helps make them more efficient. But I think you also, and obviously we, we don't know a lot about the brain, uh, about like how the connections are made, but however those, um, you know, when those, when multiple, when neurons make a new synaptic connection, you know, that's a chemical process to some degree. And I think you got to just amp up that process somehow, figure out a way to, uh, uh, to increase the rate of those connections so that you are able to remember more things and make more real-world connections between things. Like when we, he's you know, working with uh, the stockbrokers and he's able to um, you know, look at this cra these crazy sheets of numbers and figure out you know, all these different things. Yeah, it basically creates these algorithms in his head. That's, I mean, that's a perfect yeah. use that and use it for poker as well. Uh, Denon, what do you think? So I have to admit, I don't know the exact detail, obviously, yet. But I really, the, 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 the lay term I might use is you want to definitely have a brain cleaner in there, right? Uh, I, I think and I'm hoping just there's more connections and memories than we're really uh, aware of consciously. The brain has kind of, I, Ben, you mentioned it earlier. Oh, we don't use it. We don't need it anymore. Um, I'm hoping this is sort of like the fragmented disk. When my computer asked me, do, you know, do I want to clean up the disk? Um, that you can imagine sort of some enzymes that help sort of recognize connections that are a memory um, that has just been disconnected out of misuse. Um, it's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, you know, what would be the signature of such a, a, a chemical state? Um, and so as we learn more about the brain, I hope there are these chemical, these sort of three clear chemical states, memory that you're actively using and is real, 
memory that's not being used but is a memory versus just other brain connections that aren't a memory. And if the that second one has a clean chemical signature that you can access, you could reconnect it and turn it back on. No, I think that that's a really good point. I, I mean, I think I've got this figured out. Now, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm already I'm going to say that ahead of time. Now, <laughs> I, I you know I mentioned Ben being in in the gadget in the brain gadget world. Uh, I'm not a fan of pharmaceuticals, so I'm going to go I'm going to go a technology route here. I'm not going to go pharmaceutical, but I think that this is really interesting. Neuralink, which is an Elon Musk company, I'm going to put this article up. This is a brand new article from a couple of days ago. But basically what, he's tr- what, what Elon Musk is trying to do is create an implantable chip in your brain, one that is implanted by robots, by the way. So the, kind of the key is to, to be able to control various gadgets. But the other main part of this is to be able to fix any problems in the brain or to make it more efficient. And the goal, his stated goal, is to help humans not get outpaced by AI, which seems like exactly what NZT48 would do is to make sure we don't get outpaced by AI. Because, Ben, as you mentioned, when you're making all these calculations and you're doing all these algorithms, well, we use that for computers. There are computers that can track stocks. But if you do it in your head, that's the way. I mean, make your head AI. Make our brain artificially intelligent in a way. I'm going to put that article up. I think that that's a really interesting fix. Uh, I think we've got it. We're at the end here. We're at our errors, additions, and omissions section. Things we want to talk about, but we're not going to. Ben, what do you have for Limitless? Yeah, well, as, as smart as he was, it was interesting to me that he still didn't understand the power of exponential growth. Uh, when he's talking about making money day trading in the first thing, and he says he quintupled his money uh, four days in a row, and he started with $800 he would have already had $500,000 by the time he asked for the loan sharks $100,000. So I don't understand why he was going to a loan shark at that point. He already had I love of money. that you brought that up because I, I should have written it down because I thought about that same thing. Because I remember being in school, one of the first math problems that kind of stumped me was this idea where, where someone said, hey, here you got two options. I'll give you a million dollars or I'll give you a penny doubled every day for 30 days. Now, obviously, that's not exponential growth, but if it's doubled every day over the course of 30, 30 days, it's like 36. That is exponential growth. Is it? Okay. It is exponential growth. <laughs> it's an approximation to exponential As, growth. Okay. It is exponential okay. growth. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure yeah. if it's an exact, but it's close. It's discrete exponential growth. Okay, there you go. But you you know, it's like $36 million at the end or whatever it is, right? It's this astronomical yeah. number. But it's funny because you said that. He was like, this isn't going fast enough. And then at some point later on in the movie, weeks later, he's like, oh, he's got $2 million in the bank. And I was like, well, if he, if he, if he did it, quadruple well, but, it every two days. But, and honestly, though, at, at quintupling every day, yeah. uh, $2 million is, is garbage. Right. If he's been quintupling <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. every day, he should have like billions of dollars at that point. Like, right. Yeah. It, it, the math is totally wrong. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, all right, so we said we were going to talk about it. I apologize for going into it. Uh, Dennis, do you have anything that we're... That, well, I'm going to go the other way. Um, yes, his math, horrible. But for once in a movie, the super genius who gets the, these great abilities, but these great abilities from a drug that has horrible side effects, at the end of the movie, if you believe him, has actually used his intelligence to figure out a version of the drug with no side effects that he doesn't even have to take anymore. So at that last uh, sort of conversation with De Niro's character, he's like, yep, nope, you don't got me because I've solved all the problems and I have, I don't even need it anymore because I fixed the drug so well. Right. So finally somebody given incredible smarts used it 
to fix the thing that had problems. Right. No, you guys stole all of my stuff here, but I want to make a quick comment. Um, I don't think he's actually stopped using it at the end of the movie because, spoiler alert, in the television show, in the first in the first part of the show, you learn that he's basically gotten all the bugs out, but he is still taking it, which is yeah, how he Yeah, and that's fine. He, yeah. he lied about not taking it, but at least he fixed it. Yeah, but he fixed all the problems and was able to make it. I got to tell you, I understand, you know, we talked about earlier, Denon, you'd want to be the only certified genius, but I imagine he keeps this pill to himself. But this would be like a billion-dollar pill. This would be bigger than Viagra, no pun intended. I don't know why he's not selling this. I know he has a lot of money, and I understand the idea of cornering the market. You don't want everyone having this. I do understand that as- that aspect of it as well. But I feel like patenting this and selling this would also be kind of, especially if you could control it, that would be another revenue stream. I don't know. Maybe I'm off the wall here, but I thought about that. And and I love the, the, the visual effects. We talked about that enough. I thought they were really great in this. Well, there you have it. A couple of different options should you want to artificially raise your intelligence and let's be honest who doesn't i know that i could use a couple extra iq points that's for sure i may grab ben we may work on a little side project here but until then what do you want to listen to what what topics do you want us to kind of tackle send in your favorite pop culture technology and we'll crack it for you we're easy to find the show you can find on social media, on Twitter, at FGGGBTPod, on Facebook, at FGGGBT. Denon, where can people find you? So I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Denon Michael. Uh, Facebook, you have to add Prof in there. It's at Prof Denon Michael. Now, I know Ben likes to discuss all this stuff. He's on several social media platforms, some you may use, some you may have never heard of. But despite the fact, no matter what social media platform you want to find Ben on, Ben, what is your name on all your major social media platforms? It's always the same. It's B Seepser. Ben, how do you spell that? It's B S I E P S E R. And you can find me, I'm easy to find on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, Facebook at Analytical Mastermind, Instagram at the at the Daniel J. Glenn. Uh, this is another one we cracked. Uh, we're going to enhance our brains very shortly. I know I could use it, but once that happens to me, I'm going to be very responsible, as should you. This is very important information. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, if you like this show, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? The good news is we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you're not already on those platforms, don't worry. We've made it very easy for you. Go to our website, FGGBT.com. That's FGGBT.com, where you will find links to everything you're looking for. All the subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. Links to our social media are right there. And if you go to the top of the page, you'll see a little button that says episodes click on that and go to your favorite episode there you can find the show in its entirety you can find the links that we talked about the in real life examples that we brought to you including videos and of course we've got each episode has its own youtube video you can watch it there if you prefer and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening